Good morning, and welcome to the first podcast of 2006. Speaking very quietly because uh, I'm in a house full of sleeping people on the day before New Year's, on my um, last day of my family holiday here. As I promised before I went away, this is going to be the, uh, the very special new podcast, this, this podcast this year. Um, it's a reading of Anda's Game which is a story that was originally published on Salon and subsequently republished in the Best American Short Stories, published by, or edited by Michael Chabon. Um, but this reading is not by me. This is a reading by Alice Taylor, who is a British uh, woman gamer, formerly the, um, the, uh, a professional Quake player, the first woman on the first British Quake team. And I think her reading really brings something to it. I wrote Anda's Game... Uh, because of many things, uh, but the initial impetus was that um, Ray Bradbury went nuts when Michael Moore made the film Fahrenheit 9-11. Um, Bradbury apparently doesn't agree with Moore's politics and was upset that Fahrenheit 451, his classic novel about freedom of expression, had had its title co-opted by Michael Moore to make this film the, whose politics he disagreed with. And of course, freedom of expression is is something that means nothing unless people you disagree with get it as well. And certainly there's never been any kind of copyright in a title. No one's ever really said, oh, you're the only one who can publish something with this title or that. So I wrote Anders Game um, with the same title almost as a very famous novel, Anders Game, and that was kind of my send-up of it. And you'll notice a lot of Ray Bradbury references in there. It's a part of a whole series of stories. I've done an iRobot, and I'm working on a True Names, and then probably a Jeftius 5, and some others. Anyway, on with Alice's reading. I think it's marvelous. And uh, I'll be back at the end of the program with a little outro, and we'll see you later. Bye. Anders Game by Cory Doctorow. Anda didn't really start to play the game until she got herself a girl-shaped avatar. She was twelve, and up until then she'd played a boy elf, because her parents had sternly warned her that if you played a girl, you're an instant perv magnet. None of the girls at Ada Lovelace Comprehensive would have been caught dead playing a girl character. In fact, the only girls she'd ever seen in-game were being played by boys. You could tell, because they were shaped like a boy's idea of what a girl looked like, huge buzzwabs and long legs, all barely contained in tiny, pointless leather bikini armour. Bintwear, she called it. But when Anda was twelve, she met Liza the Organiser, whose avatar was female, but had sensible tits and sensible armour and a bloody great sword that she was clearly very good with. Liza came to school after P.E. when Anda was sitting and massaging her abused podge and hating her entire life, from stupid sunrise to rotten sunset. Her P.E. kit was at the bottom of her school bag, and her face was that stupid red colour that she hated, and now it was stinking maths, which was hardly better than P.E., but at least she didn't have to sweat. But instead of maths, all the girls were called to assembly, and Liza the organiser stood on the stage in front of Miss Crookshanks, the principal, and Mrs. Danzig, the useless counsellor. "'Hello, chickens,' Liza said. She had an Australian accent. "'Well, aren't you lot just precious and bright and expectant "'with your pink upturned faces like a load of flowers staring up at the sky? "'Warms me feckin' heart, it does.' "'That made her laugh, and she wasn't the only one. "'Miss Crookshanks and Mrs. Danzig didn't look amused, but they tried to hide it. "'I am Liza the Organiser, and I kick ass. "'Seriously, 
She tapped a key on her laptop, and the screen behind her lit up. It was a game. Not the one that Anda played, but something space-themed. A space station with a rocket ship in the background. This is my avatar. Sensible boobs, sensible armour, and a sword the size of the world. In-game, they call me the Lysonator, Queen of the Space Lanes, El Presidente of the Clan Fahrenheit. The Fahrenheits had chapters in every game. They were amazing and deadly and cool, and to her knowledge, Anda had never met one in the flesh. They had their own island in the game. Crikey. On screen, the Lysonator was fighting an army of wookie men, sword in one hand, laser blast in the other, rocket jumping, spinning, strafing, making impossible kills and long shots, diving for power-ups and ruthlessly running her enemies to ground. The whole clan Fahrenheit. I won that title through popular election, but they voted me in because of my prowess in combat. I'm a world champion in six different games, from first-person shooters to strategy games. I've commanded armies, and I've sent armies to their respawn gates by the thousands. Thousands, chickens! My battle record is 3,522 kills in a single battle. I have taken home cash prizes from competitions totalling more than £400,000. I game for four to six hours nearly every day, and the rest of the time I do what I like. One of the things I like to do is come to girls' schools, like yours, and let you in on a secret. Girls kick ass. We're faster, smarter, and better than boys. We play harder. We spend too much time thinking that we're freaks for gaming, and when we do game, we never play as girls because we catch so much shite for it. Time to turn that around. I am the best gamer in the world, and I'm a girl. I started playing at ten, and there were no women in games. You couldn't even buy a game in any of the shops I went to. It's different now, but it's still not perfect. We're going to change that, chickens, you lot, and me. How many of you game? Anda put her hand up. So did about half the girls in the room. And how many of you play girls? All of the hands went down. See, that's a tragedy. Practically makes me weep. Game space smells like a boy's armpit. It's time we girled it up a little. So here's my offer to you. If you'll play as a girl, you'll be given probationary memberships in the clan Fahrenheit, and if you measure up in six months, you'll be full-fledged members. In real life, Liza the organiser was a little podgy, like Anda herself, but she wore it with confidence. She was solid, like a brick wall. Her hair bobbed bluntly at her shoulders. She dressed in a black jumper over loose dungarees, with giant goth boots with steel toes that looked like something you'd see in an in-game shop, though Anda was pretty sure they'd come from a real-world goth shop in Camden Town. She stomped her boots, one, two, thump, thump, like thunder on the stage. Who's in, chickens? Who wants to be a girl, out-game, and in? Anda jumped to her feet. A Fahrenheit with her own island! Her head was so full of it that she didn't notice that she was the only one standing. The other girls stared at her, a few giggling and whispering. "'That's all right, love,' Liza called. "'I like enthusiasm. Don't let those staring faces rattle you. They're just flowers looking to turn at the sky. Pink, scrubbed, shining, expectant faces. They're looking at you, because you had the sense to get to your feet when opportunity came. And that means that some day, girl, you are going to be a leader of women and men.' and you will kick ass. 
Welcome to the clan Fahrenheit. She began to clap, and the other girls clapped too, and even though Anders' face was the colour of a lollipop lady's sign, she felt like she might burst with pride and good feeling, and she smiled until her face hurt. Ander, her sergeant said to her, how would you like to make some money? Money, Sarge? Ever since she'd ridden, risen to platoon leader, she'd been getting more missions, but they paid gold. Money wasn't really something you talked about in-game. The Sarge, sensible boobs, gigantic sword, longbow, gloriously orcish ugly fizz, moved her avatar impatiently. Something wrong with my typing, Ender? No, Sarge, she typed. You mean gold? If I meant gold, I would have said gold. Can you go voice? Ander looked around. Her door was shut, and she could hear her parents in the sitting room watching something loud on telly. She turned up her music, just to be safe, and then slipped on her headset. They said it could noise-cancel a Blackhawk helicopter. It had better be able to overcome the little inductive speaker's suction cup to the underside of her desk. She switched to voice. "'Hey, Lucy,' she said. "'Call me Sarge.' Lucy's accent was American, like an old TV show, and she lived somewhere in the middle of the country, where it was all vowels, Iowa or Ohio. She was Anders' best friend in-game, but she was so hardcore it was boring sometimes. "'Hi, Sarge,' she said, trying to keep the irritation out of her voice. She'd never smart off to a superior in-game, but V2V it was harder to remember to keep to the game norms. "'I have a mission that pays real cash. Whichever PayPal you're using, they'll deposit money into it. Looks fun, too.' "'That's a bit weird, Sarge. Is that against clan rules?' There are a lot of clan rules about what kind of mission you could accept, and they were always changing. There were curb crawlers in game space, and the way that the clan leadership kept all the mummies and daddies from going ape-poo about it was by enforcing a long, boring code of conduct that was meant to ensure that none of the Fahrenheit girlies ended up being virtual prozies for hairy old men in raincoats on the other side of the world. What? And I loved how Lucy quacked. What? It sounded especially American. She had to force herself from parroting it back. No, jeez. All the executives in the clan pay the rent doing missions for money. Some of them are even rich from it, I hear. You can make a lot of money gaming, you know. Is it really true? She'd heard about this, but she'd assumed it was all just stories, like the kids who gained so much that they couldn't tell reality from fantasy, or the ones who gained so much that they stopped eating and got all anorexic. She wouldn't mind getting a little anorexic, to be honest. Bloody podge. Yep. And this is our chance to get in on the ground floor. Are you in? It's not, you know, pervy, is it? Gag me? No, jeez. Ander, are you nuts? No, they want us to go kill some guys. Oh, we're good at that. The mission took them far from Fahrenheit Island to a cottage on the far side of the largest continent on the game world, which was called Dandelion Wine. The travel was tedious, and twice they were ambushed on the trail, something that hardly ever happened to Anders since she'd joined the Fahrenheits. Attacking a Fahrenheit was bad for your health, because even if you won the battle, they'd bring a war to you. But now they were far from the Fahrenheit's power base, and two different packs of brigands waylaid them on the road. Lucy spotted the first group before they got into sword range, and killed four of the six with her bow before they closed for hand-to-hand. Anders' sword, gigantic and fast, was out, then, 
and her fingers danced over the keyboard as she fought off the player who was attacking her, her body jerking from side to side as she hammered on the multi-button controller beside her. She won, of course. She was a Fahrenheit. Lucy had already slaughtered her attacker. They desultorily searched the bodies and came up with some gold and a couple of scrolls, but nothing to write home about. Even the gold didn't seem like much, given the cash waiting at the end of the mission. The second group of brigands was even less daunting, though there were twenty of them. They were total noobs and fought like statues. They clearly clubbed together to protect themselves from harder players, but they were no match for Ander and Lucy. One of them even begged for his life before she ran him through. "'Please, sorry, you can have my gold, sorry!' Ander laughed and sent him to the respawn gate. "'You're a nasty person, Ander,' Lucy typed. "'I'm a Fahrenheit!' she typed back. The brigands on the road were punters, but the cottage that was their target was guarded by an altogether more sophisticated sort. They were spotted by sentries long before they got within sight of the cottage, and they saw the warning spell travel up from the sentry's hilltop like a puff of smoke, speeding away towards the cottage. Anda raced up the hill while Lucy covered her with her bow, but that didn't stop the sentries from subjecting Anda to a hail of flaming spears from their fortified position. Anda set up her standard dodge-and-weave pattern, assuming that the sentries were non-player characters. Who wanted to pay to sit around in game space watching a boring road all day? And to her surprise, the spears followed her. She took one in the chest, and only some fast work with her shield, and all her healing scrolls saved her. As it was, her constitution was knocked down by half, and she had to retreat back down the hillside. "'Get down,' Lucy said in her headset. "'I'm going to use the BFG.' Every game had one, the big friendly gun, the generic term for the baddest-ass weapon in the world. Lucy had rented this one from the clan armory for a small fortune in gold, and Anda had laughed and called her paranoid, but now Anda helped Lucy set it up and thanked the game gods for her foresight. It was a huge, demented, flaming crossbow that fired five-metre bolts that exploded on, Im on impact. It was a beast arm and a beast aim, but they had a nice dug-in position of their own at the bottom of the hill, and it was there that they got the BFG set up, deployed, armed, and ranged. Fire, Lucy called, and the game did this amazing and cool animation that it rewarded you whenever you loosed a bolt from the BFG, making the game light dim towards the sizzling bolt as though it were sucking the illumination out of the world as it arced up the hillside, trailing a comet tail of sparks. The game played them a groan of dismay from their enemies, and then the bolt hit home with a crash that made her point of view vibrate like an earthquake. The roar in her headphones was deafening, and behind it she could hear Lucy on the voice chat, cheering it on. Nuke em till they glow and shoot em in the dark. Yee-haw! Lucy called, and Anda laughed and pounded her fist on the desk. Gobbets of former enemies sailed over the tree line dramatically, dripping hyper-red blood in ichor. In her bedroom, Anda caressed the controller pad and her avatar punched the air and did a little rugby victory dance that the All Blacks had released as a limited-edition promo after they won the World Cup. Now they had to move fast, for their enemies at the cottage would be alerted to their presence and waiting for them. They spread out into a wide-flanking manoeuvre 
around the cottage's sides, staying just outside of bow range, using scrying scrolls to magnify the cottage and to make the foliage around them fade to translucency. There were four guards around the cottage, two with knocked arrows and two with whirling slings. One had a scroll out and was surrounded by the concentration marks that indicated spell casting. Go, go, go! Lucy called. Anda went. She had two scrolls left in her inventory, and one was a shield spell. They cost a fortune and burned out fast, but whatever that god was cooking up, it had to be bad news. She cast the spell as she charged for the cottage, and lucky thing, because there was a fifth guard up a tree who dumped a pot of boiling oil on her that would have cooked her down to her bones in ten seconds if not for the spell. She power-climbed the tree and nearly lost her grip, when whatever the nasty spell bounced off her shield. She reached the fifth man as he was trying to draw his dirk and dagger and lopped his bloody head off in one motion, then backflipped off the high branch, trusting to her shield to stay intact for her impact on the cottage roof. The strategy worked. Now she had the drop, literally, on the remaining guards, having successfully taken the high ground. In her headphones, the sound of Lucy making mayhem the grunts as she pounded her keyboard, mingling with the in-game shrieks as her arrows found homes in the chests of two more of the guards. Shrieking a berserker wail, Anda jumped down off the roof and landed on one of the two remaining guards, plunging her sword into his chest and pinning him in the dirt. Her sword stuck in the ground, and she hammered on her keys, trying to free it, while the remaining guard ran for her on screen. Anda pounded her keyboard, but it was useless. The sword was good and stuck. Pooh, she'd blown a small fortune on spells and rations for this project, with the expectation of getting some real cash out of it, and now it was all lost. She moved her hands to the part of the keypad that controlled motion, and began to run, waiting for the guard's sword to find her avatar's back and knock her into the dirt. Got him! It was Lucy in her headphones. She wheeled her avatar about so quickly it was nauseating, and saw that Lucy was on her erstwhile attacker, grunting as she engaged him close in. Something was wrong, though. Despite Lucy's avatar's awesome stats, and despite Lucy's own skill at the keyboard, she was being taken to the cleaners. The guard was kicking her ass. Anda went back to her stuck sword and recommenced wanging on it, watching helplessly as Lucy lost her left arm, then took a cut on her belly, and then another to her knee. "'Shit!' Lucy said in her headphones as her avatar began to keel over. Anda yanked her sword free, finally, and charged at the guard, screaming a ululating war cry. He managed to get his avatar swung around and his sword up before she reached him, but it didn't matter. She got in a lucky swing that took off one leg, then danced back before he could counter-strike. Now she closed carefully, nicking at his sword hand until he dropped his weapon, and then moving in for a fast kill. Lucy, call me Sarge. Sorry, Sarge. Where did you respawn? I'm all the way over at Body Electric. It'll take me hours to get there. Do you think you can com compete the mission on your own? Um, sure. Thinking, crikey, if that's what the guards outside were like, how am I going to get past the inside guards? You're the best, girl. Okay, enter the cottage and kill everyone there. Uh, sure. She wished she had another scrying scroll in her inventory so she could get a look inside the cottage before she beat its door in. 
but she was fresh out of scores and just about everything else. She kicked the door in and her fingers danced. She'd killed four of her adversaries before she'd even noticed that they weren't fighting back. In fact, they were generic avatars, maybe even non-player characters. They moved like total noobs, milling around in the little cottage. Around them were heaps of shirts, thousands and thousands of them. A couple of the noobs were sitting in the back, incredibly, still crafting more shirts, ignoring the swordswomen who just butchered four of their companions. She took a careful look at all the avatars in the room. None of them were armed. Tentatively, she walked up to one of the players and cut his head off. The player next to him moved clumsily to one side, and she followed him. "'Are you a player or a bot?' she typed. The avatar did nothing. She killed it. "'You see, they're not fighting back.' "'Good. Kill them all.' "'Really?' "'Yeah, that's the orders. Kill them all, and then I'll make a phone call, and some guys will come by and verify it, and then you haul ass back to the island. I'm coming out there to meet you, but it's a long haul from the respawn gate. Keep an eye on my stuff, okay?' Sure, Ander said, and killed two more. That left ten. One, two, one, two, and through and through, she thought, lopping their heads off. Her vorpal blade went snicker-snack. One left. He stood off in the back. No porfa necesito mi plata. Italian? No, Spanish. She'd had a term of it in third form, though she couldn't understand what this twit was saying. She could always paste the text into a translation bot on one of the chat channels, but who cared? She cut his head off. They're all dead, she said into her headset. Good job, Lucy said. Okay, I'm going to make a call. Sit tight. Boring. The cottage was filled with corpses and shirts. She picked some of them up. They were totally generic, the shirts you crafted when you were down at level zero and trying to get enough skills to actually make something of yourself. Each one would fetch just a few coppers. Add it all together and you barely had two thousand gold. Just to pass the time, she pasted the Spanish into the chatbot. No, colloquial. Please, I need my colloquial money slash silver. Hmm. Pathetic. A few thousand golds, he could make that much by playing a couple of beginner missions. More fun. More rewarding. Crafting shirts. She left the cottage and patrolled around it. Twenty minutes later, two more avatars showed up. More generics. Are you players or bots? She typed, though she had an idea they were players. Bots moved better. Any trouble? Well, all right then. No trouble. Good. One player entered the cottage and came back out again. The other player spoke. You can go now. Lucy, what's up? Two blokes just showed up and told me to piss off. They're noobs, though. Should I kill them? No, jeez, Ander, those are the contacts. They're just making sure the job was done. Get my stuff and meet me at Marionette's Tavern, okay? Ander went over to Lucy's corpse and looted it, then set out down the road, dragging the BFG behind her. She stopped at the bend in the road and snuck a peek back at the cottage. It was in flames, the two noobs standing amid them, burning slowly along with the cottage and a few thousand golds worth of badly crafted shirts. So that's the end of part one. 
this is a story in three parts, so you'll be getting parts two and three over the next couple of weeks. I think Alice's reading is wonderful. You should check out her uh, blog at Wonderland, uh, crystaltips.typepad.com. It's a tremendous games blog. It's really, I think, the best resource for information about games that, that I read regularly and in any event. As those of you who read my blog know, uh, this has been a momentous day for me. This is my first day as a freelance full-time writer. Effective today, I no longer work for Electronic Frontier Foundation, although I remain a fellow of the organization. I'll be consulting on cases and so on. And I'm going to be writing full-time, which is awesome. I hope you have a great 2006, and I'll talk to you in a couple of days. Bye.